Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Thursday, November 24th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Beyond Meat, the plant-based meat company, is struggling, and it's causing some worry throughout the meat alternative industry. The company has struggled to manage growth amid slumping sales. Among some of the setbacks, the company tried to rush out new products only to miss deadlines and disappoint customers. Beyond's jerky product, chicken tenders, and dinner sausages all hit roadblocks as their CEO tried to push out new offerings. Jesse Newman, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for the tough times at Beyond Meat. Next, Thanksgiving is here and it's time to talk about all your favorite foods. To end the show today, we'll give you the official Thanksgiving food power rankings. We will speak to Lucas Kwan Peterson, food columnist at the LA Times, for his take on where all your favorite Thanksgiving foods rank. A little preview of what you're in for, turkey ranks dead last in his list. Pumpkin pie doesn't fare much better either. And cranberries, of all things, might just be the most controversial food item. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. They are losing a lot of money each quarter. They're, they've got over a billion dollars of debt. Their sales are dropping. They're losing market share. Stock price has just plunged. Joining us now is Jesse Newman, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about Beyond Meat right now and some of the problems that they've been having as they continue to try to grow the company. They've been hitting a lot of slumps along the way. You know, some of the things that uh, really plagued them were new product launches just weren't either hitting on time or weren't living up to certain expectations. So, Jesse, tell us a little bit about what's going on with Beyond Meat. And, and you know, there's so much here, obviously, just uh, one of the, the major players in, in, in meat alternatives right now. Yeah, that's right. You know, Beyond uh, has been in business since 2009, and they have really helped to totally redefine this category of meat substitutes. Um you know, they took what were what was sort of a, a veggie burger business and uh, really helped revolutionize that business along with their main rival, Impossible. Um, and they were, you know, they were there was a lot of excitement over this company um, when they had their public market debut in 2019, soared to a valuation above $10 billion that year, um, and now they're really struggling. And you know, the, the list of their problems is pretty long. Um, they are losing a lot of money each quarter. They're, they've got over a billion dollars of debt. Their sales are dropping. They're losing market share. Stock price has just plunged. Uh, you know, they're losing a lot of executives for one reason or another. Most recently, their 
you know, they had a, a COO who made international headlines when he was arrested for biting a person's nose. That's right, I remember that. They've just had, you know, they've just laid off uh, about close to 25% of their staff. So they're they're really, and, and as you mentioned, you know, all of this comes as they're they're sort of dealing with like botched product launches and um, up real operational challenges and struggles uh, commercializing their their products. Now, off the top of this, do we think that this is a problem with this company specifically, or has the public maybe soured a little bit on these meat alternatives? You know, during throughout the pandemic, people were at home a lot; they were uh, shopping a, a lot in different ways, and 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 we had heard that you know a lot of these companies, Beyond and and, and Impossible, even were doing really good with sales. But as things started to kind of return to normal, all that stuff started to drop off. So do we do we think that? Uh, you know, I know we're focusing on this company specifically, but are we seeing that? in the broader market for these meat alternative companies? Yeah, so there's definitely a category or a problem for the category. So, you know, the entire category is seeing um, is seeing a slowdown in demand. So, you know, we know that grocery sales of plant-based meat substitutes are, are declining. Um, and that is true, you know, across the category, almost across the category. And there's certainly, there are other companies that have scaled back their investments in meat substitutes. That's true of JBS. That's true of a company, a Canadian company called Maple Leaf Foods. So it is an issue for the category as a whole, especially uh, especially with inflation. But beyond problems are more significant. And again, that is clear from the sales data. So at, at grocery, um, sales of plant-based, of alternative meat, um, is down but beyond, you know, beyond sales are dropping much faster than the category since there's something foundational that's happening there. At the same time, you know, if you're looking at the same, um, the same time frame, sales are increasing for its main rival, Impossible, yeah. and that's part of the reason, you know, that Beyond is losing market share. Let's talk a little bit about some of the new products that they've got on board. So in the past year, the company has tested or introduced nine products at restaurants. They began offering six new products in stores in the U.S. But they, as I mentioned earlier, they had a couple of setbacks and a couple of uh, you know missed timelines with some of these. Uh, Beyond Jerky was a joint venture with PepsiCo. That faced a rocky introduction. Their chicken tender line, even their, their dinner sausages all suffered a little bit. Tell us about some of those. Yeah, I mean, the turkey might might be a good one to focus on just because it's a pretty recent product. Um, you know, the problem there, as described by current and for, former employees to me, is really one that happens, you know, again and again and again. And it, and it um, shows this, this challenge, this disconnect between Beyond's team, what they call their innovation team, and their commercialization team. So the, the, the group that comes up with new products and then the group that is tasked with producing them at scale in factories. And, you know, what, what tends to happen um, or has happened time and time again is that the folks, you know, on their innovation side, they will come up with these new products. You know, they, they're, they're made in small quantities by hand in Beyond's research laboratories. Um, and then, you know, Beyond will get excited about these pro- pro- uh, products and will show them to customers and customers will get excited about them. And this is all before they really know how to produce that food in large scale in factories. And so there are then real challenges in scaling that up because, you know, it's just obviously producing thousands of pounds of something in a factory setting. It's very different than what you do in in a lab. And so um, 
a lot that commercialization process has seen has been challenged and that was true with jerky um and it, it wound up being a very uh, expensive venture for for beyond um you know they really struggled to sort of recreate that early prototype that they had that the innovation team had made in their in their research laboratories and then um and then it was hard to produce it at scale and plants and ultimately they wound up producing the jerky in, in multiple facilities across across multiple states. And that was a very expensive proposition, and they've been losing money on it. Yeah, Beyond said in its November earnings call that the jerky project reduced their gross profit by $6 million in the most recent quarter. You know, so that's a, a huge hit uh, right there. Tell me a little bit about their founder and CEO, Ethan Brown, and kind of the part that he plays in this. Because as you mentioned, right, uh, we're coming up with some great ideas in the lab. We're getting really excited about it. We're going to start pumping it out there. And, you know, he's been, some of the employees there said, you know, he's kind of hard to push back on when he starts getting really excited about certain things. So tell me some of the part that he plays in all this. Yeah. So, you know, when you talk to or a lot of the former current and former employees that we spoke to, you know, a lot of people have a lot of admiration for Mr. Brown. I mean, they, you know, he, he came up with this like really bold vision over a decade ago to build meat from plants and then put together a company dedicated to this idea. And, you know, people, people say he's really engaging and really charismatic. And, you know, they, they really praise him for sort of taking on uh, the global meat industry. At the same time, they say, you know, that as the company grew, um, you know, Mr. Brown had a harder time running its day-to-day operations. And they say that, you know, he really uh, struggled when it came to sticking to priorities for the company. Um, and that he, you know, tended to switch gears frequently and sort of reroute the efforts of his teams. And then that could be, you know, that could be a very challenging environment. Um, and yeah, many of them described him as, as someone who, you know, was difficult to push back on and, you know, didn't want to hear anything contrary. Um, you know, I should say that beyond strongly disagrees with this characterization, um, you know, so they, uh, you know, the company had pointed out to me that that they have a very robust planning process and clear priorities and, you know, talked about how they operate from a three-year strategic vision and an annual plan that informs the work that they do. And they say, look, you know, not everyone, not everyone is well-suited to the pace and intensity of how we operate. Um, but, you know, what we do produces great results and they point to all the products that they've introduced in restaurants and, and in retail in the last year. Um, and, you know, I, I'll also say that, you know, the company put me in touch with multiple executives who work for Mr. Brown who say that they've had a really different experience than the one than the one that, you know, people I talked to um, were describing. So this is, you know, there's obviously different perspectives about his, uh, on his leadership um, between, you know, the company and, and the people that uh, that they put forward um, and that, you know, that, that reached out on his behalf and and others, others there who are at the company or work there. Well, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with this company. As I mentioned, one of the major players, them and Impossible, and I know there's a bunch of others that are coming online, but when you really think of these meat alternatives, you kind of tend to think of those two first. And, you know, it's it's just uh, this case right now where these sales are slumping. We'll see if they can rebound. They moved into a big new facility in Los Angeles. I'm sure that's not cheap either. They're also, uh, you know, starting to uh, have problems with staffing there as well as a lot of other companies. So we'll see. We'll continue to follow this company along this journey here. Jesse Newman, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.
Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. The number one food that really sucks is turkey. I'm sorry to say it. People don't know how to cook it. They put the whole bird in the oven so the white meat and the dark meat don't get cooked evenly. And let's face it, when you're making your Thanksgiving plate, how much turkey do you actually put on there? No, where it's at is the side. Joining us now is Lucas Quan Peterson, food columnist at the LA Times. Thanks for joining us, Lucas. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to be talking about the official Thanksgiving food power rankings. We did this before when we talked about French fries. It was a very diverse list. I know you got a lot of mail about it. I'm sure it's the same with this, but it is an important aspect of the day. Let's start off and we'll go in reverse order and we'll end up with the number one top Thanksgiving food. But Lucas, start us off with how you graded these Thanksgiving food staples. As we get into the potentially most divisive food family holiday of the year. Everyone has opinions on what Thanksgiving foods are great. We're all packed around a tiny table crammed with different dishes that different people have made and we're having to field passive aggressive comments from our aunts and uncles and cousins and (laughs) what better way to talk about what foods suck and the number one food that really sucks is turkey. I'm sorry to say it. People don't know how to cook it. They put the whole bird in the oven so the white meat and the dark meat don't get cooked evenly. The white meat usually ends up bone dry like you've just got cotton balls in your mouth. And let's face it, when you're making your Thanksgiving plate, how much turkey do you actually put on there? No, where it's at is the sides. So turkey is at the bottom of my list. Yeah, I have to really agree with you. And your article, one very effective question. How often do you see it on menus and sit-down restaurants relative to other proteins? And it's not very often. So I have to agree with you there. I do get some. It's almost a courtesy that you get the turkey and you put some on your plate, maybe put some gravy on it to help. But you're right. Turkey ends up being one of those things. It's just really tough to handle. It's such a big bird a lot of times when you try to feed a big family. And you're right. The uneven cooking really brings it down. Number 19 on your list, very low on the list, is pumpkin pie. 
I think you're either team pumpkin pie or not. Yeah. I It's never really appealed to me. You kind of eat it once a year. It feels like an obligation rather than something you actually enjoy eating. And frankly, the texture of it, as I said, and the appearance of it, it kind of looks like dog poop. Sorry to say it, but it kind of does. And it's really not appetizing. Number 17, cranberries, because cranberries shows up twice on the list. Number 17 and then way up at the top, number five, canned. So let's talk about cranberries fresh and canned. I really would like us to show some love for the canned cranberries. I think they're delicious. You get that kind of satisfying plop on the plate as you're opening up that ocean spray can. Kind of makes that satisfying, moist, wet sound just like a can of dog food, like you're putting it in the dish. And then it's got the dimples around the edge. And yep. I just like that. I just like the tanginess and like the denseness of it. It kind of reminds me of like eating a fruit roll up or like a fruit snack. I know that one uh, definitely could cause some problems in the family. My family usually does a little bit of both. So we'll do the can and they'll do some fresh for those that want it. I think if you can prepare the fresh cranberries well, then those can be good. But I think, again, most people just don't know really how to cook those properly. And why not just go with what you know is going to be good? And that's the canned cranberries. All right, let's get into the top part of the list. Number 10 is roll or biscuits. And I got to say, that's one of my favorite parts. For me, it's got to be King's Hawaiian rolls with a little bit of butter on them. Some people will sort of ride or die with biscuits, which I totally understand and respect. But what's good about rolls is that it's great for then making a sandwich with the leftovers the next day. But biscuits are good, too. But you really have to know how to make them. You can't use bread flour. You can't use like a hard wheat flour. You have to use like a soft wheat. Most people don't know that. and They end up making hockey puck biscuits. So rolls are definitely the safer choice. That's why we cut to the chase, like I said, and just use those King's Hawaiians. Okay, number nine on this list green bean casserole. I'd rather just have some green beans with a little bit of salt and pepper on them, nothing else. But I know this is a staple of a lot of families. I think if you grew up eating it, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up outside of the city of Chicago. And so, you know, Midwesterners have a thing about casseroles. We have a thing about canned soup going into a casserole dish and making a hot dish, making tuna noodle casserole, green bean casserole. Green bean casserole, interestingly, was invented by the Campbell Soup Company. And so you get that cream of mushroom soup. I mean, yeah, it's pretty heavy. It's pretty sickening, frankly, if you're not really used to eating it. But again, it's just nostalgia and you get the crunchy fried onion on top. So for me, it's a must have. Number six on this list is ham. Now that one is kind of in direct contrast to the turkey. A lot of people do love it though. Who doesn't like a nice ham? I'd like to see more ham. I think some people sort of had an issue with me putting it as a Thanksgiving food and not as a Christmas food, though I tend to think of it as just a holiday thing that people eat on Christmas or Thanksgiving. You get a nice maple glazed ham, honey glazed ham. It's hard to say that ham is underrated, but I think as a holiday dish, I'd much rather see a ham on the table than turkey because I think it's a little bit easier to cook and it's probably going to taste a little bit better. Okay, number five on this list is cranberries. We already talked about that. Number four, cornbread. What are your thoughts on cornbread? Cornbread is one of the few perfect things in life. I mean, like anything, you have to make it well, but it's just a fantastic side dish. It goes with anything. It's a little nutty. It's got great texture. It's a little bit sweet. Put a little bit of whipped honey butter on it. It's really a fantastic thing just to have on the Thanksgiving table. Number three is broccoli gratin. Now, this is one that I, in my own personal experience, have not really eaten too much. I've had it in different forms throughout my life, obviously, but not for Thanksgiving usually. 
a lot of people hate it. It's another casserole. So it's like broccoli and cheddar cheese and breadcrumbs. So again, the Midwesterner in me just has a very soft spot in my heart for the broccoli gratin casserole. Some people don't like it, but they're wrong. Broccoli gratin is delicious and should be served at every Thanksgiving. All right, we're getting to the top two here. Number two is mashed potatoes and gravy. I love them. I always go back for seconds on this one. It's pretty hard to mess up, really, uh, mashed potatoes. Could you imagine going to Thanksgiving dinner and there's no mashed potatoes and gravy? You would turn around and you would walk out the door. Everyone loves potatoes. People have different techniques. You can do skin on. You can do no skin. I prefer no skin. But I think there's never really a problem with mashed potatoes. And then the great thing about the gravy, no matter how you make the gravy, if you like to do it with the giblets, no matter how you like to make it, you pour that gravy over your entire plate. It just kind of lubricates the whole meal. And who doesn't like mashed potatoes? All right. And the number one Thanksgiving food, and I will gladly agree to this one, it's stuffing. It's so good. It's got tons of flavor in it. It's bread. It is one of the top Thanksgiving foods for sure. Absolutely. Who doesn't like delicious seasoned stale bread? Who doesn't like that baked in the oven? You get those nice crispy edges. Tastes like onions and parsley and sage. It's delicious. You can make stuffing a million different ways. You can make it with cornbread. You can make it with regular bread. You can make it with pretzels. You can make it with crumbled up bits of old bagels. There's any number of ways under the sun to make stuffing. I really do like the recipe in the old Vincent Price cookbook. Vincent Price, who did horror movies and did the scary voiceover for the thriller video. But I just love stuffing. It's really fantastic. Are are you a stuffing inside the bird or outside the bird? I'm definitely inside the bird. Yes, thank you. And it's frankly the one good thing about turkey is to impart flavor into the stuffing. It's really sort of its its only use. But yeah, you got to have stuffing. Lucas Quan peterson food columnist at the LA Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. That's it for today. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see... See what music does to people. 
It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.